the life, how we went from the highest of highs, being an ambassador's son, to the lowest of lows, and by myself in Iowa at age 17, uh, created a, naturally it's gonna create massive amount of resentment towards the person who put you in that spot. Hello, and welcome back to Thrive with Sharon podcast. I am Sharon Land, and I am your host, as well as a holistic psychotherapist and a metaphysician and a healer that works with people all over the world to help them to become the best person that they are here to be. And I I just love that I continue to get to find and meet all of these incredible people and learn more about their stories. And as soon as I do, um, I want to bring them to you so that you in your living room or in your car or wherever you are, get to hear how we are just literally like one step away from another beautiful connection that can help us to bring our voice out into the world. So today I have two incredible individuals. This is actually the first time that I'm doing a podcast conversation with two people at the same time. So ta-da, uh, talking about going outside of our comfort zones and always stretching ourselves. I'm doing that today and not that this is any kind of big push or challenge, but it's definitely something new. Um, so I have Anas Afana and Stella Bello here today, and they are the co-authors of Destined to Fail. And this is such a, a, an amazing book, and I can't wait to hear more about the journey of this book. And it's really about um, Anas's like um, his own personal journey, um, and uh, it's. I just can't wait for everybody to hear more about this because it has a cultural lens. It has a global lens and um, it, it definitely has uh, an, a wonderful, just very transparent story about just being human, but also like doing superhuman things. So um, welcome to you both. Thank you so Thank much you. for coming to the show. Thank today. you. Oh, thanks for having us. Yeah. I I'm, I'm so grateful to have you both here. Um, so what I wanted to talk about is, first of all, how, how, so honest, this is your, this is your story, correct? It is. Mm -hmm. Story correct. of your own. So do you want to just share a little bit more about that and just have what the premise is of it? Yeah, I, uh, I immigrated to the United States in June of 93. And uh, I, we always tell that my life is two parts, pre-93 and post-93. Mm. And so uh, the part pre-1993, I have uh, once I landed in the United States, I, um, I always said I killed it. I killed that character, like that person is dead. And this became my new life. Um, and there are reasons for that, uh, which I'm sure we will cover. And uh, from that point on, uh, up to the release of this book, even my closest friends did not know the first part. I always lied about it. Wow. For, um, we'll, we'll dig deeper into this. So when my best friend of 22 years, uh, read the first 130 pages, he didn't know anything about them and none of them, no, no one did. In fact, my own kids didn't know about 80% of the first, uh, part. And so I just kept that to myself and I thought that it was going to go to the grave with me. I'm never going to tell anybody about this uh, until I 
run into a friend of mine named Scott, and he's the one that uh, masterminded this whole you know thing about the book. Really? So the book was not my idea. (laughs) The books always birth themselves no matter what, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I am. I I'm also, I I just shared with you prior to pressing record, I'm in in the process of, of writing my first book first. Mm -hmm. I know Mm -hmm. there will be more and hopefully there will be more for you both. Not Um, likely. (laughs) He's like, I, I don't, don't want a sequel. I was like, what about a sequel? I'm like, he's like, no. I'm <laughs> feeling, I'm feeling the feelings I'm sure that you felt. It's like yes. asking someone, it's like asking a woman after she just gives birth, like, mm-hmm. so are you gonna have another one? You know? Yeah, like, exactly. Ah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, ah. So yeah. I know I'm feeling some of those feelings right now because I'm right in in the thick of it. I really am like right in the middle of the middle yes. of the middle of the middle, right? But um, mm-hmm. so I want to. I wanted, I definitely do want to dive more into this, um, the nuance that you're sharing about, which is you, you moved countries, you moved Mm -hmm. mountains, you literally Mm -hmm. started a whole new life, um, which I think a lot of people can resonate with, especially when they're um, moving to the U.S. from other countries for whatever circumstances that they might be coming here from, um, and really wanting to leave all of that behind. And so, from the trauma lens, I know that that um, it's not that simple. <laughs> um, but but books really do birth themselves through you, and stories really do birth themselves through you. So, what would you say was the most important? part for you that led to you saying, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to share this part of myself. Um, Just to touch on the part that you just mentioned, by the time I moved to the States, uh, I just turned 17 two weeks prior to that. Mm. And uh, uh, at that time, I've lived on four different continents by age of 17. So when you say we moved a lot, we moved a lot. And to answer your question, the reason I uh, finally, it took Scott three years to talk me into actually doing this. And his, uh, his hook was, uh, listen, we write a book uh, and we only make two copies and we give them to your kids. I have two <laughs> kids, a boy and a girl. And, uh, you know, uh, I thought in my mind, I'm thinking we write a book, we make two copies and I put them away somewhere. And someday when they bury me, they can read it. That was initially the thought. I didn't. I. I still did not want him, anyone to read it while I'm still around. I just. I'm extremely private, and especially mm. what happened pr- uh, prior to 1993, I just mm. did not want the information out. In fact, Stella will probably touch a little bit when she came on board and she was trying to get me to tell her. Yeah. Material. <laughs> yeah. This is not telling me anything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, honest, I can totally relate to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, one of the reasons why I'm a trauma specialist and a healer is because it's what I needed. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I, and, and it's not always easy to come out with, with what the yeah. truth is. Right. And it's because Correct. it's never just, you don't live in a vacuum, the mm-hmm. experiences that you had, and I can't wait to dive into that, but mm-hmm. the experiences that you have just in general are sacred and they're also with other people who you're still kind of 
metabolizing how you want to have that relationship with them, whether they're still here or not. Right. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I can imagine how, yeah, like when I'm gone, let everybody else figure it out and create the stories in their own head. But like, I don't want to have to like look them eye to eye and like have them want to know more about it. So exactly. Um, so before we actually talk about some of the details of that, I want to have Stella chime in because I, so Stella, can you just share what role you had in the book writing? Yes. So, um, I interviewed Anas and, you know, collected, we had all these conversations over FaceTime. And then, so I collected the interviews and transcribed them into, um, creative nonfiction or literary nonfiction. And I basically like, um, took, took all those conversations and made it into the book. So Anas was extensively involved in like, you know, correcting things and, and saying, what if we add this part and like, you know, remembering things from long ago that he had forgotten. And so, but, but so this was definitely a collaborative relationship, but yeah, those are my words. So, so you, you basically were, you held the container for Anas to share his story so that he could be heard in a way that he really felt like he wanted to make sure um, uh, created the clarity around what was his narrative, mm-hmm. right? And um, and you helped to bring that to life. So so basically, you helped to write the book. What is yes. Honest's story? Yes, I mean, I think the other thing too is like we were so like Honest and I discovered that we're both perfectionists. And like, we oh. want like, oh yeah. Wonderful. And, like, well, welcome because I have yes. a card in my wallet. That's like part of the perfection, <laughs> like recovering perfectionist society. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hard, right? It's a hard yes. life. So I think like, but I think we both wanted a really good product yeah. and we actually have mm. this, like this infamous moment that like we both talk about that's like, I forget when it exactly it was. It was like maybe the fall, late fall of 2020, when we had started working on it to like winter 2021. Anyway, irrelevant, but um, we call it like, it's really funny, we call it like the come to Jesus moment, which is hilarious because neither of us are Christian. Um, But I was like, (laughs) I was like, honest, like you're not telling me anything, right? Like he's telling me like stuff and I'm like, you know, interviewing him and like asking him all these questions, but he wasn't being forthcoming at all. So I'm like, if you like want a really good product that's like authentic to you and that's like really true to your life story, like you have to tell me everything. So, you know, and then, and then he became really forthcoming and he told me like all of the stuff that he had never told anybody. And it became a really like lovely project. So, and we had so much fun. So, yeah. Yeah. I just would like to add that she did not talk to me this nice. (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) I'm just, you know, yeah. That come to Jesus moment was a little bit rough. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a fighter. (laughs) Yeah. But, but it really, um, like I was giving her the title, if you will, but not the rest of the details. I was just, and then we had a picnic on the Nile and just didn't say anything. I don't want to, I don't want to talk about it. You know, like some stuff was fun to talk about. Um, but to this moment, talking to you about this, um, there are a couple of parts in the book. Uh, I honestly, I, I, I struggle reading them right now. I, I can't, and I don't like talking about them, even though the story is out now, right. but it I just, it's a, there are a couple of moments in, 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 in my past that I just, 
I, I really struggle talking about them. I mean, to this day, I, sure, you know, sure. when, when she came on board and, uh, you know, she's telling me, well, tell me something. And I have to talk about myself. Obviously, there, she's writing a book about me, but I struggle in talking about myself. I don't like to talk about myself. I like to talk to other people, ask, ask them. And she's like, no, we, I need you to tell me. And so that's the part that I really struggled with. And, uh, you know, growing up, I was big into soccer. Decent player. <laughs> and, really good player. Really I good. Was gonna yeah. I already prodigy. Yeah. Your secret is out. And now you so, have two very probing women that are going to like pull it all out of you. <laughs> I know. I, and yeah. that's what I'm afraid of. But even for the book, but even for the book, the soccer information that's in it, I didn't tell her that. I said, listen, I have my best friend and my, my coach back in the day. And she interviewed them both. And so all the soccer information, for example, in the book is not for me. I just, I don't like to, like, I'll talk about myself to myself in front of a mirror all day long, but nobody around <laughs> me. Like, I don't. And, and this is uh, the part that uh, I also struggled with. And this is uh, just to touch on something you said. So for, since I was 17, once you find out the story, uh, to the to recent, I don't know, just a year or two ago, I was my own healer. I never, and I'm not saying this is the right way to do it. It's absolutely the wrong way to do it. So I kept things in and I just dealt with them on my own. I didn't want anybody's help. And so this whole project, uh, when I signed up for it and I agreed for it, I should, uh, to do it, I didn't realize, but I'm, I actually signed up for the best therapy on the planet. Yeah. I mean, it, I can't possibly think of anything better and so unfortunately for Stella she became my therapist <laughs> a few times she, but but that's the part is when I the more I, I I talked to her and the more she talked to me and she told me a lot about her and I told her obviously a lot about me and yeah. um it just like you know like Stella is a family member like she's yeah. not just somebody I know she we're not co-writers we're not just friends and so uh, me and my wife Natasha we joke around we always say our daughter Stella <laughs> yeah, I know. But, she, but I don't have a daughter relationship with Stella she's definitely a friend but it's just an ongoing joke but she's a member of the family basically is what we're right saying. So exactly once I got to know her it was easier every time we spoke it was a little bit easier and easier to talk and so we covered a lot of material for the book and let's just pick halfway through I felt good enough that I went back and I told her something I didn't tell her on purpose I kind of opened up and added another story mm -hmm. and then we would work some more and I'd feel a lot more comfortable then I'd go back and tell her another story mm -hmm. uh, or something that I didn't tell her you know or shared with her and and so it really was a long project we worked on this religiously two years daily and um wow. Uh, wow. wow by wow. the end of it of course now i can tell her anything you know i don't have any issues with her now. she knows she still knows the absolute most about me more than my own family my best friends even my wife <laughs> like she knows everything yeah and there yeah. are stories that we took out of course nobody will ever know those but she does you know and so we just got right. to the point where i can open up and tell her pretty much anything and right. that's when we kept going back and adding more crucial, you know, information that I just held on. And in my head, I was, you know, as long as I hang on to something, I'm winning. 
and I oh. have to win. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, you know, it's just a competition, not a competition thing for me. I just don't know why I was doing it. I just, okay, and it just got to the point where like, all right, just tell her everything. And I did, just opened up and the floodgates opened up and she's amazing with words and uh, the way she wrote this book is just, I, I may be biased, but it's it's phenomenal. Everybody's telling me that. And uh, here we are. Well, there's something about having someone really hear and see you in a way where they can articulate the experience from such a full-bodied lens mm -hmm. that when somebody repeat something back to you or reflect something back to you that you feel moved yourself about yourself in a way that you never had the opportunity to be held right. and seen right so Stella has that gift clearly mm -hmm. and um Absolutely. I I think it's it's amazing that the two of you connected on this but how how did you connect on this like how did it actually even like how did you find one another Oh, yeah. we, we go back to Scott yeah. and we're just going to fast forward um, three years. He tricked me into saying, yes, let's do this book. <laughs> so um, we'll, we'll, his, he's, he's an English major and his, his sister, Amelia, is a writer, editor, you know. Mm. And so originally we said, just the three of us, she would send me, um, I spoke with her on the phone, gave her idea of, you know, this really short right. story. And so she started sending me emails. And then while I'm working, um, I work a lot, 100 plus hours a week. And so I didn't have wow. time to type. Uh, so I would, I just bought a little headset and I started recording the answers and I would email them back to her. And from that point on, three years would go by and we accomplished absolutely nothing. Not even a half of this chapter. And 90% of it is uh, I wasn't taking it serious. I didn't want to, I still didn't want to put the, you know. There is an energetic block there. It, it just gut feeling, uh, which I go by a lot. Just like my sixth sense. It just mm -hmm. was telling me it's just not the right thing to do at the moment. It just, mm -hmm. it was the wrong time. Mm -hmm. And I just kept slacking off and not responding in time and, I'm busy and she, she's busy and he's busy and three years go by and we accomplished nothing. And so yeah. finally she, in 2020, she called and she said, you know, I'm going to hire a writer. And I said, no, you're not. I said, I'm struggling to tell my story to my good friend, Scott. You want me to just get this stranger? Well, I have no idea, you know? And then I thought of something like, oh, who's going to pay her? And she said, you. Said, oh, great. So, so, you know, that's a double no. Anyway. She says, too late. I already put the ad out. And I have this lovely lady who uh, responded. She told me lady uh, who responded. And uh, I said, okay, uh, let's do a FaceTime. And um, Stella came on board and I'll let her take, uh, tell you her, her end of it. Yeah, yeah. So I was, um, I was 21 and I was taking a gap year or like a semester off because of COVID from college. And so I think like, a lot of people my age, I was sort of like, what am I going to do with my life on this gap year? Like when the world is sort of coming back, but like essentially shut down. Um, and so I found this ad on my like school's job and internships online bulletin. 
Um, and um, yeah, I, I was like, I figure I could do this. Like, this sounds really fun. Um, and it was sort of like this description was kind of like funny and cryptic. It was like <laughs> a diplomat, like, <laughs> I was like, maybe he's famous. And I was really like excited. Um, so I like, I sent all my stuff in um, and yeah, I think like the rest is history. Like I wrote a sample and honestly really liked it. So, yeah. Yeah, but you have to tell her about our first uh, <laughs> FaceTime. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I was like expecting like a really like old man because like Anas is now he's 46. At the time he was 44. Um, and I'm like, huh, like that seems a little like, you know, usually like older men write their memoirs, right? It's like that sort of like the stereotype is like, you know, people who are sort of like have a life to have a retrospective to recount, like usually put that in a memoir so I was sort of like this guy's gonna be really old and then like we facetimed and I was like you're not old that's <laughs> you know? the first thing she tells me she goes oh you're not old <laughs> <laughs> I'm like what what really <laughs> that's the first thing you tell me I mean 45. thank you but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, god bless that right like it's just so Stella you just showed right up like yeah. there, no there yeah, was no like let me just you know have to prove anything you know you're just like oh yeah. hey yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is hysterical and, and then again I was told you know a lady so I was expecting an older person and I know I said how old are you and she 21. was 21 21 yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> okay so yeah. we were both shocked for the for the different reason and so yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. oh my gosh yeah. that, it was interesting right from the get-go <laughs> <laughs> well, Stella, you're you're an exceptional human being. Mm, she is. Thanks. <laughs> I don't mm. know. No, no, she really is. Yeah. To be able to navigate that, and so we haven't even gotten into the details, but I can infer just based upon what we've talked about so far that this is pretty heavy, right? Like this is deep, and to Very. hold space for somebody like that, even just it's not have the responsibility of being able to write this into something. But just to hold space for somebody to share in a way that they've never, ever shared with anybody before, mm -hmm. um, that's, that's like, that's, that takes an old wise soul to be able to do that. She's uh, an old wise soul. That's yeah. exactly what we tell her. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I felt like it was, um, yeah, like as we kept, like started to get into it, I was like, wow, this person is really fascinating. And I was just like, every time we called, I, she would just like tell me a new thing and I'd be like, whoa, like this is crazy. This is so like, ex no, like, you know, and honest is like an extraordinary human because of oh, like the, like the, the like polar opposite sides of his life, you know, like he grew up like this privileged like son of a diplomat like and and you know and then has this other side of his life where he's like struggling as an immigrant in the U.S. in like the Midwest which is like crazy yeah what um, a place to plunk yourself down exactly That's yeah. <laughs> none of it none of it was my choice not one decision yeah. was my choice yeah yeah so yeah we'll get into this but it's yeah it, it's um yeah, honestly, it has had like an extraordinary life. And it was so like, you know, all of the research that we did to try to find out more about like the events like during his childhood, right? Like it's it's hard mm -hmm. to find because mm -hmm. it was in Sudan in the 80s. And, you know, so we're like, we're researching, we're finding out all these really cool stuff that happened like geopolitically. And then, you know, yeah. and then Honest tells me all these really interesting stories about like his adult life. It's really, yeah. So I'm I'm excited for everybody to read this book. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm excited to read this book. And like I said, I'm, I'm in the process of, of writing mine. So reading yeah. other books is, I know it's a good thing to do, but like I, my schedule is full, full, full. So like I spend every, you know, this right. As, as, as producing your own book, like every extra minute you're writing. I have people who my friends, they're like, what are you doing? It was like Sunday night at 1130. I'm like, I'm writing my book, you know, <laughs> they're like, yeah. oh, cute. You're writing your yeah. book. And I'm like, no, like, that's what it takes. Yeah. What it takes, honestly, right? I honestly look back at the two years that we worked on and I still can't figure out how did we squeeze that in? I work a hundred plus hours a week. She's going to school full time. And, uh, with all of our, you know, busy lives, I, yeah. I don't know what, I don't, I really don't know how we squeeze that in, but we, when Stella came on board and after a couple of FaceTimes, I honestly just put a hundred percent into it. And if I put a hundred percent into something, it's going to get done. And so just decided that let's just do this. And so two years and it, it was done, but I just looking back, I, how did we do it? See, I live in Omaha, Nebraska right now. My wife lives in Denver and we have a long distance relationship. Wow. And it, and it has been long distance for nine years. Wow. Yeah. So that add that to the equation that we go back and forth a lot and work and, and Stella's drilling me for information. <laughs> drilling. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Stella's helping me write the book. No, she's drilling me for information. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, she, the <laughs> thing about Stella is when the thing about Stella is when, when she feels that there's more, she's going to get it. She's going to oh. go after it until she gets that last sentence that completes you know, the story. So when I left something out, she knew there was something left out and she would kind of let me, you know, win for about a few minutes. She'll ask something else and she'll go back to it and drill until she gets it. So <laughs> I figured her out at the end, but at the end, she got all the information that she wanted. That's amazing. So honest, can you talk a little bit more about your version of the American dream and what, what that's <clears throat> about for you and how that translates into the book? Mm -hmm. Uh, American Dream is part of the book. Uh, and when I first arrived in the States, uh, as I mentioned, I just turned 17, didn't know anything about it. And I actually lived here for a while and didn't know anything about it. And, and then as I started to accomplish it, you can say, um, or at least put myself finally on the right track to accomplish it. And I, you know, started to learn about it. And um, personally, I'm fascinated with any foreigner, um, they don't matter where they're from. I always want to talk to them and find out, yes. how did you end up here? And a vast majority of people, before they immigrate, you know, if you go apply for a visa, they want, they want to see that you have an acceptance from an American school, that, you know, you passed high school, you have the finances to do, to, to move. I mean, there's a whole process. Nobody just yeah. picks up and moves, right, mm -hmm. without pre-planning. Um, and even adults that come here, they always, you know, if anything, if they're moving here, they liquidate everything at home. And, you know, they, they usually know somebody that will help them move here. So at least they have. And they're, or they're fleeing and they're. Right. You know, well, that's different. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's different. Yeah. That They don't have a choice, but at least they all flee together. <laughs> you mm, know, mm -hmm. well, in my case, I, I, I was in, um, I was as you know we grew up all around uh the world and we finally ended up back in jordan just for the last two years um high of high school 
Mm. And in the two years I made a professional soccer team, uh, I was on the Cubs team. So that was, that was my path. I was never good with school. Athletics was my thing. So I make this Cubs team and all the coaches said, finish high school, come talk to me. You're in like, all right. Um, but my dad had different plans. And so my, a little bit about my father, just back a bit, a little bit to, to understand more. Uh, he was a diplomat and uh, he'd reached the highest level, which is ambassador. And uh, so people that reach those positions are not exactly, <clears throat> you know, uh, open for second opinions or they're not a particularly nice, you know, it's, yeah. they get there because of the personality that they possess. Right. Right. And so I finished high school and that, that night I got home after I hung out with my friends for a little bit. And my father tells me to go pack my bags because tomorrow I'm leaving to the United States one way. Wow. And so mm -hmm. I just turned 17, two weeks before that. Uh, I didn't, I didn't speak any English. That's the, that's the key. That's, that was my biggest uh, problem with this oh whole thing. <laughs> so I didn't speak any English. There. Mm -hmm. Just a barrier there. Just a barrier. The relationship um, was rocky, to say the least, between me and my father growing up. Uh, because again, I was a disappointment. I didn't give him the grades that my brother and sisters gave him. Mm. My father's all about not 4.0. He wants a 5.0, which doesn't exist, but that's what he wants, you know? Right, and right, so right. I was the 2.0, 2.2 type student, you know, which that didn't fly very well. So he... Um, he decided that I'm going to move to the United States. And so the very next day after high school ended, I was on a one, one way ticket to the, to the U S he brought me here. He came with me and he had his whole master plan, which you can read about. But in short, I ended up in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Uh, he paid for one semester of ESL English as a second language. He paid for one semester of dorms. He gave me $450 cash. And he says, you're on your own. If you make it, great. If you don't, you were destined to fail anyway. And he left. And that's where the, 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 the title of the book comes from. Mm -hmm. Wow. So I was 17. I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about anything. No, I, I barely, I didn't understand even English to even know what the American dream even was. I had no idea. So for me, with the reason I killed my last, the person who I was before the privileged person is because I knew things are about to get real crappy for me going forward. And the reason I lied to everybody about what happened or my previous life was I knew from that point forward, if I make it, it's all going to be me. Yes. And so I didn't want anybody to give my previous life any credit on how I made it. Like if I bought a car, I wanted people to know that I bought the car because I worked for it not because someone right. sent me money you know yeah and that's yep. that's really um how it all started but you know once a few years gone by and graduated college and got a job and I, like I said I put myself on the path to start accomplishing the American dream mm -hmm. and by then um, I, I I knew what it was I, I, I knew what people accomplished and you hear all these success stories of immigrants and mm -hmm. that moved mm -hmm. here and I wanted to be one of them I definitely was not going to fail because if I failed then my father would be right and I could never let him win so everything was 
a, a struggle in my head uh, mentally yes. that I just could not fail. Not because I didn't, I didn't want to be living on the streets because I didn't want him to think that he was right. Yeah, that and also, I mean, so what you're talking about from um, historically, from before you were dropped off here mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the in the U.S., that um, that that high level of expectation, that that constant moving of the goalpost, right? So mm -hmm. you've got to be over here, and then you you get your resources, and you choose, and then oh no, no, it's not, it's not good enough. You go over here. Right. And so to have that embedded in your psyche, right. And then also have this, um, never good enough piece. That's, right? that's the key sentence for my whole life. That's it. It was just not ever good enough. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you for some, it, it's like a, a, a dream to be mm -hmm. able to accomplish a, a grain of what you did in your life. But for you, <laughs> how you felt was, it was never good enough. And mm -hmm. I, I think that just kind of removing ourselves from the book for a second, but just in general, speaking into people who need to hear this right now, this is a very real thing, yeah, right? And so that um, we become very performative and it's not shocking that you work a hundred hours a week and that, <laughs> that sacrifice is part of your daily scope, right? Mm -hmm. Um, not that there's any character flaw, but it's just because you're 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 wired to be exceptional because being exceptional gets us what it is that we feel that we really want, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and so I work with people who are <clears throat> very much like exceptional performers, right? So professional soccer players and people who are, you know, multi-million dollar and billion dollar business people and all of this stuff. And it's always the same thing so coming back into the book the fact that you especially as a man right especially coming from a culture that was definitely more masculine energy dominant right and from a family that was very masculine energy dominant and control mm -hmm. right yeah. that mm -hmm. it's so powerful i just want to acknowledge how powerful it was for you to actually find words to share this very nuance because mm -hmm. this is going that other people are going to read this this is going to help them to take the step to be able to break the cycle so that they have a better life and that every single person who they touch in their lives is going to be better and there's no debt that you have to pay for it right to have to pay debt just to be able to thrive is not mm -hmm. the way that we really survive, right? So I, I just wanted to speak that into this. So how absolutely incredible. And gosh, I, I also like, I'm friends with people who are children of diplomats. Like I totally understand that whole thing. So like, I know how, um, you know, and they can't have enough degrees from Harvard and Columbia and Princeton and all like they have five degrees, right? It's just like, why? It's because, well, mm -hmm. because like one isn't good enough, right? Like, it's just, yeah. and it's, it is, it's part of, it's just part of that culture, right? It's mm -hmm. a culture within multiple cultures, right? So right. how incredible that you're sharing about that experience now and how that's affected you. It, it was it was the right time for it to uh, like I said it, early on it wasn't the right time and everything happens at the time that is supposed to happen it just it just happened we were 
the joke about this one is we were waiting for, uh, I, I was waiting for Stella to grow up. <laughs> right? Well, yeah. it's not even a joke. Yeah. Like I- Yeah, I know, I know, but we, we, we'd like to use it as a joke. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we. I well, asked her. I asked her, "What grade were you in?" Right about when Scott asked me to write the book, and what did you say, Stella? Yeah, like seventh or eighth grade, <laughs> <laughs> middle school. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's that speaks into the whole. Like, there is somebody out there mm -hmm. who is ready to greet you on your journey, who yep. is preparing themselves to be mm -hmm. ready for that leg of the journey, right? Yep. Whether it's a partner or a business partner or a, a, a co-author or someone who is going to help you to birth your next beautiful yep. thing into the world, or you're going to help them. And so I, uh, yeah, it's, it's true. It's, it's funny because mm -hmm. it's like, we, we actually can see the timeline of it. Like Stella was in seventh grade when the first, right. you know, inkling was here, yep. but, but now, and she was 21 when you started the journey together. And now look at the two of you. I mean, it's just amazing to see both of you. And I follow you on Instagram. So I've seen some of your lives. I just love, I just love the two of you together. It's just like, it's, I, I can't imagine it not being this way. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's so, it's so wonderful. I, you know, coming from the mental health perspective though, I, I'm, I'm curious, honest about how how this manifested itself to you, because I know that this is part of what you speak into. Mm -hmm. They said, this is the best therapy that I've ever had and, uh, or could ever have. And, uh, um, I have the best relationship with my father right now. And, uh, it really, it really, uh, the book helped. Um, it's such a long story. You have to, you have to read it to see where, you know how things develop but uh, yeah. you know we we have i have a great relationship with everyone honestly and uh especially my dad and so it helped me just in in every aspect day-to-day -day life uh, um the american dream that we just talked about in my mind was you have to keep making money as you said you have to work 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 and make money right and I made a lot, but uh, there was a time in 2010 where I lost it all and I was damn near bankrupt. And so then, you know, had to restart my life all over again. Um, so I'm, I'm still in Omaha, still running the business, doing really well. And uh, but I'm just giving it all up here by the end of the year. And I'm moving to Denver because um, it really when people say it's not about the money, it's about one thing, the money, but I'm telling you, I'm giving it all up just to live a happy life. Um, the second half of my life with Natasha. And so that's, that's what I'm um, doing right now. And I don't think I would have really done this without this book, without the two years of, uh, of therapy that I, that it gave me without understanding who I am and what i went through and uh, ultimately it wasn't really uh my father's fault uh and I, but I, of course the resentment that i held for years uh made it to me appear that everything was his fault you know can but you, uh, throughout you, this process can you share more about that because i think this is very important mm -hmm. how is it that you arrive at it wasn't my father's fault because i i <clears throat> from a very literal standpoint, you know, people might hear this or listen to this. And 
Um, I mean, I, this is the type of conversation I have with people all the time. Right. So I think this is really important for people to hear that. Yeah. Yes. It was definitely not what you needed and it was traumatizing. I'm sure in very myriad of ways. Yet Mm -hmm. when you say it wasn't my father's fault, Mm -hmm. what are you saying? Um, so again, I, to me, I missed out on playing pro soccer and that ate me alive daily for years. And, uh, uh, there was a, a time when I found out someone that was with me on that Cubs team who not only made the club that we were playing for, but also captained the national team. Mm. And you won't hear me say this too many times, but I was better than him. Yeah, <laughs> you could say it. Say it again. Say it again. No, one one time is good. No, one time is good. <clears throat> so that 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 mentally that absolutely destroyed me for years. And so um, all of that, I missed out on all of that because my dad had different plans than than what I wanted. And so I was forced into moving to the states. I. And the life, how we went from the highest of highs, being an ambassador's son to the lowest of lows and by myself in Iowa at age 17, uh, created a, naturally it's going to create massive amount of resentment towards the person who put you in that spot, you know? And so, um, for years it went, um, unaddressed because I kept everything in. It's a problem that I had that I never told anybody, did not seek any professional help. I was my only and, you know, only therapist. And so uh, about 2014, after my life blew up in 2010, lost everything, lowest point of my life. And then I had to have a talk with myself. I had to bring all that stuff out to figure out why is all of this happening to me? you know, and what what uh, part am I playing in this? Yes. Which, which part am I playing in in my own (laughs) self-destruction? And that's what it was. It was self-destruction. It was me. And I always blamed it on other people. Uh, Mm. The captain of that team, of course, was my dad, but uh, it's always someone else. That was, it's somebody else's fault. It's, um, and I just, into about 2014 midway through it uh and we talk about this in the book of course is i had to had to figure out who's the source of all my problems and it was my own mental uh issue that i mental health issue that i figured out that that was the that was the reason so my dad did the right thing of getting me out of the middle east right after the first gulf war before things absolutely got destroyed in the middle east all of it and so at that time that I came here, things were still fine, but he saw two years, three years, five years, 10 years down the road, what's about to happen. And so he wanted me out. And so, yeah, it's, once I figured out that it was me, <clears throat> then I started to um, try. I'm not a professional, but I'm trying to help myself be better. And uh, my wife, um, I met her before before that moment of course uh but uh she really helped he she helped me she never quit on me and when she met me i was at my worst i was at the Mm. lowest point in my life yet somehow she saw through all of that 
Uh, and I'm just repeating what she told Stella. So it's not, <laughs> it's not that I knew that back then. I didn't know that until, of course, the book. We're writing it and she's, you know, answering Stella's questions. And I'm hearing all this stuff like, really? You saw through all of my desire. I was broke. I didn't have a, I was living in the basement at work. And so but she saw through all of it and, and really never quit on me either. And she just stuck by me and helped me get through there. May I get through that? And so, but slowly, slowly, the, the key was for me to recognize that I am the problem. Yeah, I I see that, but I I also think that like it didn't start with you. No, it didn't it, start. A lot with of it's you. programming, and it's it's so our early childhood, especially our program that that we receive yeah. in early childhood, shapes mm -hmm. the lens of how we see ourselves in the world and how we move through the world. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, but but um, I he, I'm hearing the fact that you're you know in a very like kind of a harsh way. Mm -hmm. doing some self-assessment and saying, you know, yeah. well, if it's up to me, <laughs> yeah. then mm -hmm. it's, it's on me. Yeah. And, um, and I've got to figure out how I can gain a new way of striding through the world in a mm -hmm. way that I actually am able to be happy with, mm -hmm. um, the decisions that I'm making in the words that I'm speaking in the way that I'm relating and also being open to receive. Um, I think that's probably a big one, <laughs> yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Um, so this time has flown by. I can't even tell you how grateful I am that we had this opportunity to, to get to know you both and just individually, what incredible human beings you are, but together, Thank like you. how powerful, what a, what a duo. <laughs> and I'm excited because I get to continue to share with you on your journey. And, and that now this is just the beginning for all of us. Mm -hmm. Um, to, to be intersecting in so many different ways, but, um, I hope that you do come back again. I, there's so much more. I, I feel like we didn't even scratch the surface on the book, oh, but, yeah. mm -hmm. um, yeah. it's, it's just, I think this is just a lot for people to ponder, even just what mm -hmm. we've shared and what we've talked about today. And I would love to have you back and we can do a part two and go a little deeper into some of this story oh, yeah, that absolutely. you didn't even okay. want to share. Stella is going to get the chance though, to choose what those stories are. Yay! No, she picks the <laughs> hardest stories. She always picks the hardest. That's why I'm saying Stella gets to choose it. Yeah. Um, but I, I again, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so grateful for you coming and sharing and talking with me. But most importantly, I'm so grateful that you decided to say yes, both of you. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Um, that you thank said you so much yes. for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And I hope that everybody really enjoyed this conversation today. Um, the book will be, I'm going to share a link for where you can actually get the book. Um, and, uh, also the social media links for, um, being able to connect. I know that you guys are really, really responsive and interactive. So I'm sure that you'd be happy to field any questions that people might have with Absolutely. regard to the content of the book. Um, please make sure that you pick this up destined to fail a story of resilience, absolutely incredible. And until the next time, everybody, make sure that you like and subscribe if this is your first time coming to the podcast and make sure that you comment if there's anything, rate and review. And until the next time, peace and love.